Are we the best we'll ever be? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. Josh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I, I won't be. I'm not doing as great as I will be when I'm glorified, but I, but I'm doing great. So That's good. You, well, you could say I'm not necessarily living my best life now, but I'm looking forward to living my best life later. Mm, that's right. That's right. Because you're living your sanctifying life now. Yeah. But uh, we are talking today about, and that was a good setup, by the way. We are talking today about the end of sanctification. So what happens when that's all done, which is glorification. Right. So this is a really important piece because this is actually an underdeveloped part of our understanding of the faith and really how we we understand what the end goal end game is of of being a Christian. Uh, right. certainly here in the West. Um so, definitely. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about glorification with uh so we're gonna define it and then we will look at where we see this in scripture and then talk about some practical understanding stuff. So glorification is the final stage in the process of salvation. It refers to a future time when a Christian reaches moral and spiritual perfection at the time of death or at Christ's return. Glorification also involves the physical perfection that we will have once our bodies have been resurrected. When we're glorified, we will have a fuller knowledge and understanding of God and his word. So if we were going to simplify this down into a sentence, it's basically to say, when we are glorified, we will be fully who we were meant to be as people because of Christ. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. And if we could put it in, rather than in just one sentence, but in one song, we could uh, quote Switchfoot and say, we were meant to live for so much more. <laughs> there's a, uh, there's a early 2000s throwback there. Oh yeah. So. We're, we're revealing our age of when we, when we, uh, grew up and what we were paying attention to at different seasons of life. That's fine. Now, if a band, if a band started after 1997, I don't know who they are. So it's oh, fine. Well, that, that, that even more reveals, uh, reveals when you grew up and what your tastes are. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have great taste. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> although some of our listeners may be shocked <laughs> if, if, oh, we, if they ever looked at my playlist. Yeah, I'm I'm somewhat eclectic though. I, I tend to be more in the the rock side of things. Mm -hmm. But in the early 2000s, Switchfoot was something I knew enough about, and uh, and they have you know a, a, some sort of association with Christian music, and uh, that song on mm -hmm. a more serious note does point to the reality that that uh, of, of glory that all humans aspire to attain to desire on some level that we're mm. that we know that there's more to life than the way it is today and that there's something wrong in the world and that also that the world's just incomplete as it, yeah. as it stands now so we were meant to live for so much more that 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 saying uh transcends more than just the song but points toward this greater reality that that glorification uh, that's right really it really addresses all right so 
Josh, uh, speaking of pointing uh, to glorification, where does Scripture point to this? Yeah, there's several places uh, we can we can look at uh, first, and this might be a familiar passage to a lot of our listeners. Is First Corinthians thirteen twelve, and that says uh, that for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Uh, again, uh, coming from Paul, we have Philippians 1, 9 through 11, where he writes, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So you have that, that, that idea of, uh, of complete, of completion, um, uh, that, uh, things have, uh, come to fruition in a, in a full way where we're uh, pure and blameless, something that we're not in totality yet, but, but will be one day there emphasized. Uh, there's another, uh, peace uh, glorification, I guess we could say, addressed uh, by Paul, Philippians 3, uh, 20 and 21, where he writes, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So we see there the, the physical reality that glorif glorification will be. It's not just the app the absence of uh, the physical reality, but in the ultimate end game, uh, our bodies will be restored to what they, what they were meant to be. And creation will be subject to us as it was to the, to the risen and glorified Jesus. He's going to transform. It says our body from its humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So just think of the difference between the risen Jesus talking to the disciples one day, their bodies would be like his. And because we're, united with the same risen Jesus, our bodies will be like his. Uh, Colossians 1.22 speaks of this blameless condition that we'll uh, receive after Christ's return. Uh, Colossians 1.22 says, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. And uh, one of my favorite passages here is from 1 John 3 uh, verses uh, 1 and 2 that I, th that I think really uh, depicts the uh, the reality of glorification and in, 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 in a in a eager and anticipatory way and that's where john writes see what great love the father has given us that we should be called god's children and we are the reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him dear friends we are god's children now and what we will be has not yet been revealed we know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him as he is and uh, we'll, we'll unpack more of what that means as we, we get into the discussion. Yeah. So listeners, as you can see, Scripture talks about this idea of glorification quite a bit, which means that it is really, really important. As we know, when Scripture says anything, even if it says it once, it matters and we need to pay attention to it. But when we see it multiple times in multiple letters from multiple writers, uh, that means that we need to pay extra close attention. And we do this because it is ultimately what we are all driving towards. Now, on that note, what do we need to know in order to pro fully understand this doctrine? Well, glorification is for believers. It's for those who are united by faith to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not something that 
everybody receives by being human, by being merely human, human and dying or being alive when Christ returns. Uh, there is a general resurrection that Jesus talks about in John 5, 28 and 29. There's a resurrection of life for those who belong to Jesus, but for those who haven't repented, haven't believed in Jesus, there is a resurrection of condemnation that Jesus speaks about. And so there will be a resurrection of sorts for unbelievers, but it's one where they are suited for their, their eternal state of, 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 of being consigned to God's judgment. Uh, we mm -hmm. talked about that in the episode several weeks back about hell. That, mm -hmm. That's a sad reality, but today we're talking about the contrast to that, the, the glorious uh, and great reality that is glorification, that it is, that is eternal life lived in the fullest sense of the, of the term. So what it means to be glorified is really uh, what it means to come into our own as the children of God, it's the public display that we belong to, to Jesus. We are adopted in Christ and belong to the Father, and the Spirit testifies to this uh, by transforming our bodies to be like His. We see that talked about in Romans 8, uh, around 15 through 25. Uh, that's, that's a good place you can go to, to read about it, that not only are we going to be glorified and released from uh, the privation and the corruption that sin has brought, but the creation is. The creation is eagerly waiting the revelation of the sons of God. This really is the fullness of our adoption uh, come to pass. Uh, it's not so much in glorification that we're becoming more than human. I've, I've heard some mm -hmm. uh, Christians talk about it that way at, at times, just in confusion, because this really is a neglected doctrine, as you were saying earlier, Aaron, where it's not something that, that's taught about enough or discussed enough. Uh, but it, it's not becoming more than human, but it's becoming truly and fully human. It's becoming what we were meant to be uh, from from the beginning, what God created us to be to live for glory. You think of Romans three twenty three. It's a it's a it's a verse that we that we uh, recite all the time as we're talking about the doctrine of sin and as we're doing evangelism and evangelism and telling people that they need a savior. Uh, but we really uh, overlook this this phrase there of, of what sin deprived us of. It's for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I think sometimes we, we can skimp over that verse and think, oh, well, glory just means the, the high standards of, of God's righteousness and law. We all fall short of and we, And that's true. We all fall short of that. But we also fail to participate in the glorious reality that is life with God by sinning. You think about what Adam and Eve lost in the garden by not submitting uh, to God's rule and God's law. And so we fall short of the glory of God and that we don't get to live the glorious life that God intended for humanity from the beginning. And we see this uh, reflected to some degree in Psalm 8, which, which really is a, a meditation of the psalmist on God's purposes for humanity. There's a lot of language from Genesis 1 uh, contained in, in that passage. And we see that we see the declaration in Psalm 8. It begins and ends with, O Lord, our Lord. So, O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It, 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 it's, it's, it opens and closes with that phrase. And then sandwiched in between there is a description of human dominion over, over, over the world. So all things being subjected to humanity's feet, that's how God's majesty is displayed. And so glorification is that come to be. And because humanity didn't rule over God's creation properly, that's why we needed Jesus to come as this second Adam. And that's why salvation is, is described 
by Paul in places like Romans 8, 29 and 30 is conformity to Christ's image. Christ is the new man. He's the, he's the true and better Adam who's come to restore for us what Adam lost for us by sinning and will be conformed to Christ. Uh, that means w- when that happens, we, uh, we will be truly human. We'll be human as God intended us to be human. And we look to Jesus to know what a true human looks, looks like. And so we look forward to that day where we're no longer deprived and corrupted by sin, but able to live a fully human life because we'll, our, our human life will look more like Jesus's. All right, so this 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 idea of conforming to Christ's image, I'm glad that you brought this up because that's something that um, you know other Christian and specifically Eastern Christian traditions they have an understanding of that um, we in Western traditions can easily can often misunderstand if we're reading what they're saying incorrectly. Uh, Josh, can you speak into a little bit of that um, since you are the more learned of the two of us? Sure, maybe just learned in certain nerd, nerd areas. Uh, learned and nerded, learned and nerded in certain areas. Yeah, that's a that's a tongue twister. Uh, <laughs> but no, this is important to uh, comment on this uh, concept called theosis. Uh, this you'll often hear more in context um, uh, concerning uh, Eastern Orthodoxy, like like you mentioned, Eastern Christian traditions, and they, they're really at the heart of it, talking about the the same reality, same concept that we're talking about with glorification, just of a different name. But oftentimes, it makes uh, Christians in the West, especially Protestants, nervous because they hear theosis and you have the the Greek term for God in there, like theos, and is, is saying that humans become God in some way, and it's it's not saying that humans become uh, the eternal creator in, in any sense. It still maintains this fundamental uh, distinction between creator and, and creature. So the, the Eastern uh, tradition of Christianity has never uh, tried to say that we become God in any way, such as the creator, but really that they're trying to capture and calling it theosis is that we become partakers of the divine nature, like Second Peter 1, 4 states, that we come to receive eternal life and eternal life has always been in God, but God has always had a purpose for humans to receive eternal life, but in a proper creaturely fashion. So that, that's, what's at, that's, yeah. that's what's at the heart of theosis. It doesn't teach that we become God, but that our union with God in Christ, it brings transformation to every aspect of our being uh, by the spirit. It's a way to highlight that no other relationship, no other identity about ourselves is more true or more real than our transformative, uh, pervasive union and, and participation in uh, eternal life uh, with God. And that that's through Christ. And uh, often the uh, theologians from the Eastern traditions will point out that just as Jesus uh, remains truly human, even though he's a divine person, in union with a human nature, he, he still remains truly and fully human. His human nature isn't changed or made less human by virtue of being uh, united to his divine person and his divine nature. And so our being in union with God through Christ doesn't cause us to lose our human, but really our humanity, but really restores or completes yeah. our humanity, if we can put it that way. But we remain distinctly human. It's just we're in union with God to receive eternal life through the God man, the incarnate son, the Lord Jesus. So yeah. that would be, that would be 
how I would want to caveat a more Eastern understanding or um, the terminology that they use to describe what, what glorification is. But it's not something that uh, Westerners should wring their hands about as much as they might on the surface and hearing the term theosis. It, it really, really, they're really describing the same, same concepts as we are, though there might totally. be some different, some, some different nuances on, on, the, on the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the majority of our listeners, realistically, um, we've probably just introduced this term to them. And uh, and that's OK, because that's what we're all about. We're all about helping learning and learn and grow. But I, I really appreciate the way that you express that, because really, um, if you want to simplify that down a little bit, even is to say essentially that um, what this is describing is essentially the um the realization and ultimate fulfillment of what um of what was meant by uh by the language that's used in scripture of saying that that humanity is made in the image of god um right. is that that's that's what it's talking about here and so that's that's just a really helpful perspective to to add into our nuance here now, continuing on in this, um, one of the other things that we should know about about this doctrine is is that our future glorification um, should not and cannot hinder, or, or must not hinder, our present discipleship and sanctification. So, um, we have to remember that glorification is the end goal. It's something. It's what we are striving toward. It's not something that we will ever achieve in this life. Now. Um, you know, John Wesley is a theologian who I have much that I appreciate about, um, but his view of Christian perfectionism um, is something that is entirely in conflict with this understanding of glorification, in mm-hmm. because he believed that there was a point at which he uh, that humanity could actually be essentially sinless, right, in this life before um before we stand before Christ but that's not what scripture says um instead we look at Philippians 3 uh 12 through 14 which says you know not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect this is Paul speaking but he says I make every effort to take hold of it this future promise right. of glorification of eternal life to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So, in other words, if we care about, like, the only thing that future glorification should do with us is it should not allow us to become complacent. Instead, it's our motivator. It's what drives us toward the pursuit of holiness because we want to be more like that day by day as opposed to saying, well, I'm going to get there eventually, so I'm just not going to do anything. Um, right. <laughs> that's just that's not how it works. Um, if anything, And if we feel like that, we should actually be really worried about ourselves. Right. It, it would be like if you had this big, uh, nice meal planned and uh, maybe the chef was coming over to tell you about what this meal is going to be like. And he gave you some samples and you said, well, I'm just going to eat the meal anyway. I don't want to know what it tastes like yet. I'm just I'm going to I'm going to forego this 
this opportunity to taste of it. Well, no, if you were really eager and looking forward to this meal, it would be hard to hold you back from sampling uh, what this this chef has to offer you. And that's what that's what we have in sanctification is this opportunity to taste in part, not fully, what glorification is going to bring uh, mm-hmm. with it. And that's that's where theologians will use this language that we should strive to be in Christ. What we've already been declared to be in Christ in our justification, right? We've been accepted before God because of Christ's righteousness, our status before him is before God is secure. Yeah. But also we're, we're declared, we've been declared righteous in Christ, but we've been, we've been, we've been promised to be glorified in Christ. So we need to strive to be uh, what we, what's, what's been assured that we will be. We're going to be glorified in Christ one day. So live in such a way embody holiness that brings the joy and satisfaction that we that we won't get all all the way and all the time in this life, but in the life to come, we'll receive in, in full. Uh, that's where we read uh, earlier, First John three one and two, that we'll become like Jesus as He is when He when He returns, and we'll we'll behold Him. And it's that by beholding Jesus, we become more like Him. Uh, theologians have this saying: we become uh, like what we worship. Mm-hmm. Right, you worship idols become deaf and dumb like those idols. Whatever you worship, you 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 take on those those moral characteristics of that of that thing. Well, if we look to Jesus, who is glorified and pure, uh, we will become more like Him, and we we get an aspect of that in in this this life, though not entirely. And First John three exhorts us to that on the basis that this will become a reality when He returns. In First John three three, He writes, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure so because we're going to be pure in christ as christ is pure when he returns we should we should seek purity now and so mm-hmm. that, that that's a that's that gives us great confidence to know that we've been given the resources in christ to pursue pursue purity and holiness in the meantime uh but also the realism that we won't get there all all the way and but we do have the promise that we will one day by god by god's grace when jesus returns Every time, like every time we start talking about one aspect of this, I keep coming back to 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 uh, another, which really is just this reminder of just how much of what we experience in and what we understand of the Christian life is tied up in this this already not yet reality that exactly. that exactly. we're going to experience some of it, but we'll never we won't experience it in in its fullness until then. And, and that includes, of course, um, our bodies, our minds, and our hearts or our emotions and affections, our desires. So right now in this life, while our physical bodies, um, our physical bodies are essentially the only piece of, of our material existence that are unaffected directly by sanctification, aside from if we are someone who worships food um, or self-medicates with food or 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 whatever um, you know there 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 are little there are little things but I mean we're not going to become aside from like the natural things that we would do to become more healthy we're not going to suddenly have if we have a chronic illness it may not ever go away in this life right, or right. if we struggle with our weight for example something that I do, um, you know, we're never not going to have to work at that. Um, those those kinds of things in this life, um, those problems don't go away. But 
our thinking changes and our desires change and how we relate to the to uh, what we think and what we feel those things do change in this life right now and eventually they will be perfected in in the future so um that is one of those things that that we have to recognize too so and i mean this is something that that second peter one one four talks about uh one three and four actually talk about a little bit um that uh you know christ's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness by these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire so essentially um you can you can think about glorification this way and and really what peter uh and peter kind of kind of hits on this a little bit is that um there is a uh an anti-gospel running under under the name of gospel called the prosperity gospel right that talks about how um you know if you believe in jesus you should be healthy wealthy and have great relationships um and if though and and if all those things are true then you know obviously things are great in your life as and god is blessing you um glorification says no you will have you have everything you need right uh you will have everything that god has for you in him when he returns but he gives you but through but through your christian life he gives you everything you need to pursue that right which has nothing to do with wealth um and has nothing to do unfortunate or has some to do i should say this is a correction has some to do with um health and good relationships but you're not guaranteed either yeah you don't get the perfection the perfecting of those 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 things in, in this life that's what i the my my core critique of the the health wealth prosperity uh movement is that their timing is off mm-hmm. and their expectations are too low yes so that's one way to put it is that their timing's off and they think that we get all these great things because you know we follow a certain formula have enough faith something like that uh in this in this current life and we'll have these great relationships we'll have material wealth possession uh you know we won't we won't run into we won't be caught in the rigmarole of everyday life that most people are if we just you know work out our faith in in, in the right way well that's not promised in scripture actually the 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 christian life this side of the resurrection is, is is associated with crucifixion and putting to death um, sin, uh, this, 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 that, the, the, their spiritual warfare contained in that it, it's dying to self. It's, it's putting away sin. It, it's struggle that we can overcome because of the res- resurrection power of Jesus, but we're not giving the, uh, this permanent, uh, experience of, vi- of, of victory, uh, where, where there is, where there is no, uh, long, longer strive. So their, their timing is off about when we get the, these things, but we get more than just material wealth and health in the age to come. We are co-heirs of creation with Christ. We get to rule and reign with and under the risen ascended Jesus as he rules uh, this, this earth as God intended for humans to do uh, from the beginning. 
And so really their, their expectations are too low and that it's more than just material wealth and prosperity that we get. We get to be co-heirs and rulers with Christ on, on this earth forever uh, after, after he returns and we're raised uh, with him. Let's tie a bow on this and talk real quick about what kind of difference this doctrine should make in our lives. I'll cover one aspect and then you can cover the second. Um, so in, in this, the first thing that we need to know about this doctrine is, is that it should give us great hope and great peace. So, and that comes from the knowledge that our sins and struggles will eventually be no more. Our physical and mental hindrances will eventually be no more. Um, we will be what we were meant to be. We will still be finite creatures, but we will be perfected finite creatures, the way that God intended from the beginning. And that's something that we can look forward to, um, especially those of us who do struggle with, um, you know, manageable uh, physical physical imperfections and frustrations, as well as those who have chronic illnesses or um, are differently abled, who were born with, you know, limb differences or things or anything in between that you can think of who've, you know, had, yeah, <laughs> there's so many different things that we could put into this category. But one thing that we can be sure of is that someday all of us will be perfected. We will be exactly the way that humanity was meant to be mm. to the glory of God in his presence forever. Yeah. So what's the last that, one that you got? Well, I, I just wanted to add to that. That was, that was a great word. And uh, it really shows how the gospel is not less than about the forgiveness of sins, but it's more than about the forgiveness of sins. So it really does address all the, the maladies and, and imperfections and frustrations that sin brought with it with it and also glorification is related on, on the second point here uh to, to our worship mm -hmm. uh, glorification should inform our worship because we're, we're really uh, as we as we worship god with uh fellow believers in this life uh we're really just practicing for what we'll be doing in the eternal life to come in the new heavens and new earth so uh understanding uh, or better apprehending might be a, a, a better way to put it. Uh, this doctrine of, of glorification is that, that it helps us to turn our joy to the one who uh, made it possible to live the fully human life that we were created uh, with desires that will be fulfilled. And think of that C.S. Lewis quote in the, in the way of glory. If, if I, uh, this is a paraphrase, he said it a lot better than I'm about to, but uh, he said, something to the effect that if, if I find that this world can't satisfy my, my longings, it, it is probably because I was created for another world. And that, that's really what glorification uh, gets to, gets to the root of is that we were created uh, for more than what we experience in this life. And we have the promise because of Christ and his resurrection and that we are joined with him by faith that we will get to fulfill those longings and desires that God created us to have as, as people made in his image. And we get that image gets renewed as we are conformed uh, to the image of Christ. And that's a process that will be completed. So the one who, who began a good work in us will uh, finish it and the glorification that we'll experience. Our worship 
now is to, is to reflect uh, what's already taking place in heaven when heaven comes to earth and we have this reunion of heaven and earth uh, at, at the return of Jesus. We reflect and embody on earth as it is in heaven today as we just as we pray in the in the lord's prayer and knowing that will come to pass that should make us all the more eager eager to get the party started now and so glorification really is uh an impetus and a motivator for evangelism we want more people to discover what it means to be truly human human by looking at the one who gave himself so that we might become more human like he was and, and that is by, that's by being joined uh, to God, our creator, as we were created to be from the beginning. Man, that is a great note to end on. So thanks, Josh, for talking about this doctrine. And thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. Thank you.